0: Hello and welcome to Episode 3 of the Scouting Report Podcast, where I will be breaking down the North Carolina Tar Heels as Kentucky gets ready to play UNC at 2 o'clock on Saturday as part of the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, My name is Brandon Ramsey, and I am actually flying solo this week. Um, My usual co-host, Kyle Smith, just has um, some work-related things going on that he needs to continue to Take care of here in the holiday season, so he was unable to um, give any time to the podcast this week, which is totally understandable. Uh, he's also the producer of this podcast, so hopefully all of this goes smoothly as I am riding solo. And I was kind of, kind of laughing about even attempting to do this um, on my own. I know that um, Colin Cowherd for years, um, I listened to him do a solo radio spot for what three or four hours on espn radio so hopefully i'm closer to him on the scale as opposed to the recent mike francesa (laughs) um debacles that he's had on air but i guess we will see um so anyway like i said this is episode three of the scouting report podcast and i will be breaking down everything you need to know ahead of our game against north carolina Um, obviously one of the first things that happened was i believe it was Wednesday, kind of mid-afternoon. Obviously, we were planning on playing UCLA and I was about 12 to 24 hours away from recording this very podcast to break down UCLA. I had my scouting report pretty much finished up. Then all of a sudden, I get on Twitter and I and I realized, well, I can just scrap all of that and it's time to start watching some UNC film. And, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of opinions online as to, you know, Oh, is this going to be a much tougher game? Like this just went from a game we could win to a game we probably won't win. I don't necessarily buy all of that. Um, UCLA is really good. I know people like to make fun of Mick Cronin. Um, I've done this. I've done the same at times. But UCLA is really good. They have a talented roster. They can really shoot the ball. They have some tall guards that make them um, just kind of a difficult matchup then when you start watching UNC you know they are good but I'm not necessarily sure they're better than UCLA um, we'll get into this a lot more but you know North Carolina just wants to pound the ball inside and they really don't do a whole lot else they're not very good from the perimeter so these are certainly two very different teams in terms of what we would have been preparing for against UCLA compared to now preparing for North Carolina um, but it you know it it was kind of a shock when all of a sudden you know due to and they said it was just the coronavirus testing protocols. I guess the the SEC and the ACC um, testing systems lined up better than it was with um, UCLA and the Pac-12, and the, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 with, with the, um, UCLA now playing Ohio State, that matched up a little bit better. So that is how we ended up playing uh, North Carolina, even though up until Wednesday they were not on our schedule. But welcome to 2020 and welcome to scheduling uh, college sporting events in 2020 because, um, you know, everything is a fluid situation and things can turn on the um, turn very quickly. So let's go ahead and um, start talking a little bit specifically here about North Carolina. Um, they're going to come into the game on Saturday with a 4-2 and record. Um, they open the season with a big win over the College of Charleston. Um, and then they went to the Maui Invitational, which this year was not that exciting because it was held in Asheville, North Carolina. However, they made it to the final um, of the Maui Invitational after wins against UNLV and then a very nice win against Stanford. Um, and then d- dropped one to Texas in the Maui Invitational final by two points. Um, that was a great game to watch. Uh, it was back and forth a little bit, especially early Um but, or especially late, excuse me, um, Texas actually built a 12-point lead um, at halftime. And North Carolina kind of came roaring back. I um, believe they took the lead at one point and certainly had opportunities to win the game. Um, but it just uh, wasn't going to work out for them in that one. And then after that loss to Texas, they played um, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, uh, lost to Iowa, um, by 13. This is another game where Iowa was up big early. North Carolina had a great second half, came back, made it really close. Then um, the Hawkeyes kind of pulled again, uh, pulled away again late. Um, but so but both of North Carolina's losses have been to, you know very good NCAA tournament teams. Um, then they came and beat North Carolina Central a week ago on Saturday. Uh, The final score is not quite indicative to what that game was like. Um, North Carolina Central was up big, which kind of seems to be a theme. Um, They were, I think, up by like 12 points early in the game against North Carolina. Um, But then North Carolina was up by like 15 with just a few minutes to go, ended up being a six-point game. Uh, But North Carolina Central played them very tough, and um, it was an impressive showing uh, for those guys over there. But that's North Carolina's schedule so far. Like I said, they are four and two. Those losses come into Iowa and Texas. Um, And first and foremost, when you're talking about what they're gonna do offensively, they're gonna throw the ball inside, and they're gonna throw the ball inside again, and then when you think they can't, they're gonna keep throwing the ball inside some more. Um, They have three really talented post players. Um, One of them is kind of a trendy preseason All-American pick. In senior Garrison Brooks. Um, he was an All-ACC all performer last year as a junior. He's a 6'10", 240-pound senior now, and he's just an absolute load down low, especially playing alongside um, sophomore big man Armando Bacot, who is 6'10", 240 pounds. Um, he's just another guy that's just a load inside, and then off the bench they bring in freshman Um, Sharp, who's 6'11, 265 pounds. They also have another freshman, 7'1, 245 pound Walker Kessler. You know, so they have, um, four, but three primary weapons down low that are big, strong, physical guys that are just going to score it through your chest and are constantly looking to get opportunities to score it down low. Um, what they do offensively, uh, besides, you know, it's not like they just come down, roll the balls out, and just try to throw the ball down. Though they, they run kind of this high-low motion offense where you're going to see three guards kind of spaced around the perimeter, and then at all times they're going to have two post players in there. They're going to play big, and they're going to kind of rotate those two post players. They're gonna, they they have some freedom to play in between, the blo- in between the block, the high post, and even kind of sneak out towards the three-point line. Now, none of their interior players are good perimeter shooters, they won't really even look to score from the perimeter, but that's kind of the space in which they play in. Um, a lot of times, one guy is going to stay low on the block as the other flashes towards the high post area, or up to the top of the key, then they're going to look for that high-low pass, um, and then also their. the that other post player who isn't on the block, they can come out and kind of random ball screen throughout their motion as well to get some additional movement. But, again, the, the main thing they're looking to do is that they're looking to give space to just isolate the post and throw the ball in from there, or they're going to feed it to the high post and either look to drive it right from there or throw a high-low pass to once again get the ball down low. Um, within their motion, they do run a couple um, – entries into that motion just to get um, some initial movement started and to to look to get an easy basket uh, even before they start running through some of their um, their high low motion so the 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 first motion motion entry that you're going to see a lot is just a little back screen action Um, this is probably the most popular look that you'll see in the half court um, something they're going to run quite a bit they'll start in just traditional secondary spots as they come down the court Um, The ball will be reversed through the trail spot to the opposite wing. Um, And at that point, the weak side corner is going to come up to about the elbow area and set a back screen for that trail spot forward. And they're just looking to throw a little bit of a lob over the top, obviously, to that guy. Um, But I actually, you know, from watching three or so games of theirs on film and seeing this play, you know, probably five to eight times a game, I haven't actually seen them hit um, that pass on the back screen yet this season it's not that they won't look for it if you do a bad job or get hung up on that back screen i'm sure they'll throw it but again they're just trying to get some initial action just to get the defense moving also from the secondary spots that back screen gets them into their motion spots to have two guys down low on the block and then they'll start flashing into the high post from there um, also another popular motion entry for them is from a horn set um, this is probably their second favorite entry um, it's just a traditional horns alignment where they're going to forwards on the elbows, two guards deep in the deep in the corners. Obviously, point guard with the ball up top, and they're just going to turn and set a little elbow ball screen, um, and the ball screener will roll down to the down to the rim, and the weak side corner will lift um, kind of behind the plate to at the top of the key. They're generally, if they don't have something on that um, initial pick and roll at the elbow, they're going to look to throw it back to that guard who's lifting on the backside as that goes on um, the other post player will kind of roll down to the to the block as well to look to post up and then once again they're they're in their motion spots with two guys down low they're going to look to go in usually that weak side um, block forward is now going to flash up to the high post and see if they have a high low opportunity Um, another thing they really like to do this is out of secondary um, is set a ball screen with a, with a simultaneous cross screen happening down low, and as that guard comes off the ball screen up high, they're gonna to look to throw an entry pass um, t- to, that, um, to that forward coming off the cross screen. Uh, so again, this is gonna be out of secondary alignment. Um, the ball will get reversed, um, and the, the low post player, the rim running um, forward will follow the ball as the ball gets reversed to the wing. Uh, once the ball does hit the left wing, that trailing post player um, is going to set a side ball screen and at, and at the same time the weak side corner is going to come down set a cross screen down low so you're going to have that high uh, wing ball screen action with a cross screen going up down low and it's a great opportunity uh, to, to get the ball inside for them the last set play that we're going to talk about here just a half court set um, that i think they call it strong um, but on the strong side they're going to um, point guard's going to hit the wing and he's going to cut underneath the post player and out to the strong side corner Um, and they're going to throw the ball down to the corner and at that point the whole back side is completely isolated and emptied out and what they try to do is that that post player on the ball side block now is going to try to force the defender around to the front because the back side is is emptied out and they're going to try to throw the ball over the top uh, to try to, to try to get the ball in for an easy dunk or layup. And that's something that these post players that um, do a really good job of and something that Kentucky's going to have to be cognizant of defensively is you can't get too high over the top on these post players because they're so big, they're so physical, and they're really good at trying to seal you out and um, look for that kind of over-the-top pass. And that's why they won't run a lot of high-low stuff also So they're just really good at throwing the ball over the top when there's no backside help. And we really have to limit um, and hopefully negate the number of layups and dunks they get without us being between them and the basket. That's going to be a big key. Um, And we'll talk about that more here in just a second. Um, Bear with me. We don't have our producer, like I said here, Kyle Smith, with me this week. So I'm going to take a quick drink. But I'm going to keep this rolling just so I don't have to do as much editing. Um, So... Just picture this as a commercial break for a second. If we had sponsors, which, by the way, sponsors, if you would like to. All right, I'm back. Um, so again, w- one thing I really want to touch on is how Kentucky is going to guard the post in this game. It's going to be, you know, the most important thing to look for as soon as the as soon as the ball gets tipped the first time down the court when UNC throws the ball inside, what's Kentucky going to do? You know, the, there's a few different options when you're playing a team that has as good of post players as North Carolina has. Obviously, I guess the, the, the first option is just to, you know, Kentucky generally is a kind of three-quarters around front type of post defense team. We don't necessarily bring a ton of help onto the post. We try to um, just let them play one-on-one. So, you know, if, if that's what we want to do, it's certainly an option. And I think that Olivier Sar and um, even Isaiah Jackson, just because of his length, you know, he, he's going to give up a lot of strength and size. But, you know, he can make up for some of that just with his shot-blocking ability. But, you know, th- th- those guys are capable of, of getting some stops on the defensive end. But my primary concern about allowing them to play one-on-one would just be quick foul trouble. Because, again, these guys are just so physical that – Time and time again down the court, it's going to be really hard to not foul them um, in a way that's going to cut into our bench way too much and way too quickly. So I don't think that it's kind of playing straight up is is much of an option. Um, Another thing that you can do, which some teams certainly have done at times this season, is go to a 2-3 zone. Um, I feel like that would make a lot of Kentucky fans happy me not necessarily being one of them but there's a lot of fans that clamor for 2-3 zone for whatever reason um, and that you know generally makes it harder to throw the ball inside because your defense is packed in a little bit Um, there's not as many traditional um, post-up opportunities on the block Uh, coach Roy Williams would have to go to some more set plays in order to screen those outside guys in the zone and try to get the ball inside which they certainly do have some of those sets their sleeve and obviously coach Williams is a great coach Um, but I do think that we will play some zone at some point on Saturday and that'll be one of the ways that we try to combat throwing the ball inside Um, and then lastly and what I have been advocating for and will continue to advocate for um, is that we double the post when the ball goes inside Um, so what I would like to see is as soon as the ball hits the hands of either Garrison Brooks, Armando Bacot, um, or um, or De'Ron Sharp, so those three post players, that's number five, number 11, or number 15, as soon as the ball hits their hands, I'm going to come double from the weak side. So whoever's guarding on the perimeter, furthest guy from the ball on the weak side, as soon as that ball hits the post player's hands, I would come double. Now, a lot of times, and even when I was coaching um, at the collegiate level, we anytime we doubled the post, we always doubled on the first dribble. And now the reason that you do that is that it it makes it harder to throw the ball back out of the post. You know, if if a guy is just standing there with the ball, hasn't started his dribble yet, and he sees the double coming, it's a lot easier just to kick the ball out um, because you don't have to pick up your dribble. You can see it coming. You can pivot. Turn a little bit easier, you just see it coming. Whereas if you wait till the dribble, then you have to pick up your dribble. You've um, kind of gotten into your post move and it can kind of rush you and you end up making some bad passes out. Now, for this game, the reason that I want to just go right away is that once we've made that decision to double, and obviously I have no idea if Coach Cal's going to double the post. Um, I think we'll do it at some point. Um, this is, again, this is the Scouting Report podcast I'm talking about a little bit. You know, not just of what Kentucky will will do or what North Carolina does, but some of what I would do. Um, and what I would do is, like I said, I would double the post on the catch. And the reason for that is, like, like I started to say, once you make that decision that you're going to double the post, you're making that decision because you want the post player to give up the ball. You know, well, That's to, to me that's obvious. Well, you know, you, you're doubling because you think those guys are dangerous so if i think they're dangerous my goal is for them to pass the ball and yes it might be a little bit easier for them to pass the ball if they haven't dribbled yet but to me that's almost the point again once we've made once we've made this decision that this is what we're going to do so you know you're, you're coming to double from the weak side you're hollering at them as you're coming and you're waving your arms and you're running at them hard and you're trying to get them to kick the ball out and then yeah you're in scramble mode from there covering up the backside, but that's okay because a you don't have to really close out hard to these guys at all in fact you want to make a point of not closing out hard because um quite frankly if these guys shoot it from the perimeter that's a win for the possession especially if it comes from you know somebody like garrison brooks giving up the ball for somebody to shoot on the perimeter that's a big time win for our defense so you know you the scramble isn't as hard when you're able to close out really short and just kind of keep um keep things packed in as a as a defense um, so that that's what i would do i think that also the the primary reason one of the primary reasons to do that is it's going to help keep olivier saar isaiah jackson etc out of foul trouble because you know I, again obviously if the postparts are giving up the ball quickly then they're not getting into post moves. They're not being physical down low, and that, that that's going to help keep our guys out of foul trouble. But you know, either way, this is going to be a game where Jacob Toppin's going to get some serious minutes. Um, Lance Ware is going to get an opportunity. Um, you know, those guys. Especially Lance Ware, you know, I don't think he's overly physical. I don't think this is going to be a great matchup for him. But man, he's going to get an opportunity because whether it be from foul trouble or just our bigs needing a break, and and that's regardless of whether we play, we could play forty minutes of zone, we could double for forty minutes, or we could just play traditional Kentucky defense, and we're just going to need some more breaks down low than normal because of their physicality and the way they can rotate. Um, through those three or four guys, so you know, all all of our big men are going to get chances, and you know it, it, it's an opportunity to earn some minutes and show show some toughness. You know, if, if if Lance Ware comes in there, follows the scout, gets a couple stops and rebounds the ball, guess what? He's going to keep getting opportunities. If Jacob Toppin comes in and shows that he can be athletic, be physical, get some stops on these guys and rebound the ball. Well, he's going to earn some more minutes, and you know, it, it's it's going to be a great opportunity and kind of a gut check time for some of these guys that aren't happy with their roles and, and that goes down to the guards too you know if if you were if you're Cameron Fletcher and, and, and you're unhappy with with the way things went in the last game kind of getting benched after uh, screwing some things up on the defensive end to begin the game you know he's gonna get an opportunity here too and especially if we're in the post man come in there be six 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 seven be athletic be long Double the heck out of these guys, and then go get some rebounds. Um, same thing for BJ Boston too. You know, so there's there's plenty of opinions to go around on him. He's a second leading rebounder on this team. He's rebounding the ball more than Olivier Saw right now. Um, I think he's averaging like six point two rebounds a game. Um, you know, this is a game where even if he's not making shots, he needs to try to get eight rebounds. If he gets eight rebounds, and that's going to be um, a great sign that things are going well for Kentucky defensively. Um, anyway, so d- just to move on a little bit, and uh, this is going to be a super quick segment, but North Carolina defensively, they're straight up man-to-man. There's really there's really not a, a whole lot special that they're going to do on the defensive end. They do have quick, smaller guards that are going to try to apply some ball pressure, um, and then you know, they're able to give some of that extra ball pressure because they're backed up with a ton of sides around the basket to protect the rim. Um, so th- there will be a lot of resistance at the rim. We're going to have to do a good job of playing off of two feet at the end of our drives um, and, and being ready to score it against some big guys down low. Um, and then to dive into their personnel a little bit more, I know we've talked quite a bit about their big guys, but um, at point yard they're going to start um, a five-star freshman who's a top 15 player nationally. That's number two, Caleb Love. Uh, like I said, it's a freshman point guard, 6'4", 195 pounds. He's averaging just over 11 points a game. Um, he's a guy that we just need to back up and not let this guy drive it right and not let this guy get layups. Um, I, I tweeted it out the other day, but, you know, there's a lot of people um, in Big Blue Nation that are unhappy with the way our freshman guards are playing, namely B.J. Boston. B.J. Um, Boston. But just imagine being a North Carolina Tar Heels fan because their coveted five-star blue-chip recruit Caleb Love, he's averaging 11.2 points. He's shooting 30.1% from the field, and he's four for 25 from three. He's also turning the ball over nearly four times a game, 23 turnovers in in six games with just 20 assists. Um, So those are not um, very good numbers, but obviously I think we would all trade. Spots with North Carolina right now because they're four and two, um, but yeah, he, he's not shooting the ball well from from outside. We see it takeaways, layups, scoot back, close out short, um, and, and dare him to shoot it. Another freshman guard that they play is six foot, hundred sixty pound, R.J. Davis. He's number four. Uh, He's obviously smaller than Caleb Love, but uh, plays off the ball a little bit more, but he is a combo guard. He'll handle it quite a bit when he's in there. Certainly will get it and go and transition some. Um, You do need to close out a little bit more aggressively um, to R.J. Davis. Kind of want to take away his catch-and-shoot threes. He's a solid shooter. Um, He's 8 for 23 so far this year from three, Um, but... First and foremost, we're trying to get the ball out of the hands of their post players. We're trying to pack in the defense. So, you know, you're closing out to R.J. Davis with high hands. You're trying to deter that initial catch-and-shoot three. But we're not as hung up on taking away threes as we are in a lot of scouting reports. You know, you just want to be there to contest his shots as to when you're closing out to somebody like Caleb Love, you're literally closing out short and telling him to shoot it. Um, you know you don't necessarily want R.J. Davis to shoot it, uh, but if he does at the expense of of packing it in at least a couple times, that's going to be okay. Out on the wing, number one Leaky Black. He's a six eight hundred ninety five pound junior. He's very very athletic, versatile. Uh, he's an, he's another non shooter, averaging six point five points, seven point five rebounds. Got to take away the right hand drives from this guy. He wants to drive in a straight line, especially to his right. Um, he's really good in transition. They will look to throw it ahead to him some, where he can get out and run and get to the rim. Uh, we just gotta get the ball stopped. He's super athletic. Um, also gotta box this guy out. He's an excellent offensive rebounder. Um, then getting into their big men. Um, first and foremost is number 15, Garrison Brooks. 6'10", 240 pounds, senior forward. Like I said, this guy's a all-AC, all-ACC performer. He's a guy with all American aspirations this season. He's averaging 11.8 points. Seven point seven rebounds, just super super physical. Wants to score up with his right hand over his left shoulder. Has a really good turnaround jumper in the post. It's hard to guard. You just have to get a hand up, contest it the best that you can. Have to take away the drop steps from this guy, and and this will be the theme uh, for for all of their post players. But just have to keep them between you and the basket. We we, we can't see them getting dunks on on those high low passes. We can't get around too far in front without backside help and allow them to kind of seal us up the lane or off the block and get a pass over the top. We just need to make these guys score through our chest with our hands up with us between them and the basket um, because their percentages are going to go down at that point, but they're just so physical and they move so well that they've had a lot of backs, baskets this year where it's just them in the rim, and and, and those are just too easy. Um, but Garrison Brooks, he has 20 offensive rebounds through six games this year. you got to box them out. Um, and then just really sit on that left shoulder um, and, and bring a bunch of help and try to get him to, to give it up. Um, then moving on to number five, Armando Backhot, um, 6'10", 240 pounds, sophomore forward, 11 points, 8.8 rebounds per game. It's a big, strong physical post. Once again, posts up super hard. He's always moving his feet, trying to seal you. Once again, we just can't let, let him get those over-the-top passes, um, Can't let him get the high-low ones where he can just turn around and dunk it. I mean, so far this year, the guy is 23 for 30 from the field, 76.7%. And, you know, we we just have to be better than that. You can't let a guy shoot over 75% from the field, and that means he's mostly just dunking the ball. And I know it's easier said than done, but we just got to stay behind these guys, bring a bunch of help when they do catch it, and be ready to be physical and then rebound it when they miss. So that's the starting five um, for, for North Carolina. Um, it is worth mentioning number 11, Dayron Sharp. Um, he's their backup post player, 6'11", 265-pound freshman, 8.5 points, 6.7 rebounds. Um, same deal with him, you know, just no dunks, no layups, right hand, left shoulder, stay between them and the basket. He will drive it right uh, from from the elbow, from the top of the key in the trail spot a little bit more. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, and then just quickly, n- number three, um, Andrew Pladick and number 24, uh, Kerwin Walton. Those are two guards they bring off the bench that are um, pretty good shooters. Um, both those guys take a lot of threes. Um, just treat them similarly to number four R.J. Davis, though. You know, we're not taking away threes like we do a lot of times. We're we're just more cognizant of closing out in a way that tries to deter the initial catch and shoot with those guys. As opposed to daring them to shoot it but you're still packing the ball and you're still helping off of them you're still going to double the post you're just closing out a little bit more aggressively and as we scramble those are the guys to know that are more dangerous on the perimeter number four number three and number 24. so there you have it um, with going over the personnel for north carolina we've broken down their offense a little bit as well so let's just wrap this up with some final thoughts and what we want to see um, Saturday at two o'clock when we take on North Carolina. Um, I know I mentioned this in the last podcast, but most important thing is Kentucky needs to win, and that carries even more weight now because not only do we need to win just for the psyche of the players or you know for the fan base to whatever extent that matters, but we need to win because we're not going to make the NCAA tournament. If we lose many more games, especially in the non-conference, and not only would this be a a win, but this would be a really good win and and actually a resume booster um, to to beat a team like North Carolina. Um, so we we, we need to win, but you know that that's pretty simplistic. So how do we go about doing that? Well, again, wh- whether we double the post or not, you know that's up to Coach Cow and, and and his staff. They're obviously going to scout the game um, you know, even, even more and and better than I do um so that that they're gonna have their plan but you know those first couple possessions i i urge you guys to to watch when the ball goes inside and to see how we're guarding it because that's going to tell you a lot about our plan and how we execute whatever we decide to do whether it be zone traditional you know kind of one-on-one man if we're just digging the ball hard out if we are doubling how we execute our game plan is gonna probably tell you whether we win or lose um, so we're going to have to do a good job on on not getting those guys, um, or not giving those guys too many easy buckets down low. Um, one of the things I will be writing about in my scouting report for KSR and, and and spending some time talking about is that we just need to make force UNC to shoot a lot of threes. You know that they're even more three point adverse than Kentucky is. Uh, that they're only shooting about fourteen perimeter shots per game. My goal was for them to shoot 20 or more today, or on Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday, so I don't know why I said today. Um, but we need to make them shoot it from the outside. And the way you do that is you just pack it in and you don't give them an option. You know what? Uh, especially if, we, if we're if we pressuring their post guys, making them kick it out. But even if we're not, you know, just, just sagging in, closing out short when we come to their guards, just make those guys shoot it from outside and you know, it's going to be a win any time they shoot a three, even though yeah they're going to make something. That's college basketball. But you live to fight another day, and you tell them to shoot the next one. And if they shoot twenty or more threes, I think it's going to be a, a, a good afternoon for Kentucky. Um, the last thing I want to see out of the Cats is um, we need to get to the free throw line more. Um, we need I I wrote my article. I want us to make fifteen free throws. Um, and that's going to mean getting to the line 20 or so times probably, and we just need to be more aggressive putting our head down and driving it to the basket and not settling for, you know, long twos. Uh, we need to not settle for late-in-the-clock jump shots just because we've been passing the ball around the perimeter. We need to look for opportunities to to drive it because we do have some – some guys like, you know, B.J. Boston's struggling to, to make shots right now. Well, he's pretty good from the foul line. He's just not getting there enough. So I, I think if he can get some confidence by just getting some easy points from the line, seeing the ball go in, that's going to go a long way, um, not just for him, but obviously for the team as well. So that's it for this episode of the Scouting Report podcast. Um, Kentucky has North Carolina, obviously at 2 o'clock on Saturday in the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed hearing a little bit more about the Tar Heels, what they're going to be doing offensively, breaking down their their personnel a little bit as well. Uh, as always, please give us a five-star review. If you have not done so already, we'd really appreciate those reviews that have rolled in so far. Um, subscribe to our podcast. Make sure to tell your friends and family to, to give us a listen as well. Um, you can reach out to me on Twitter at BRamseyKSr my co-host, who will certainly be back um, at some point, is Kyle Smith at Gocat's Breakdown. Um, this is kind of his brainchild, so please continue to follow him. Um, he just couldn't be with us this week, and so I was f- flying flying solo and hopefully it wasn't too boring to just listen to me ramble on about about the tar heels for over half an hour, but um, still wanted to get you guys some. Some content and get this out here um, ahead of a really big game for for Kentucky. Uh, so follow me on Twitter at bramsayksr. File Follow Kyle at Go Cats Breakdown. Uh, make sure to, like I said, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five star review, and that is it for this episode of the Scouting Report Podcast. Um, have a great day and Go Cats!